In this podcast, we have conversations about personal experiences with loss, grief, and unexplained spiritual encounters. Whether it's a dream, a visit, a vision, or a newfound life after loss, we believe life and love never dies. This is Surviving Death and Dying with Trisha and Misty. Did you know that the study of death and dying and the psychological mechanisms of dealing with them has a name? It is thanatology, and that is going to be our word for the day. Yeah, that's right. It's a scientific study of death and its surrounding circumstances. It investigates the mechanisms and forensic aspects of death, such as bodily changes that accompany death and the postmortem period, as well as wider psychological and social aspects related to death. And today's guest is a certified thanatologist with a doctorate in thanatology. And he's also the grief support director at Forest Lawn Memorial Parks, as well as an ordained minister. Dr. Galen Gobin, welcome to our show. Thank you, Missy, Tricia. It's really good to be here with you all this evening. Thank you for being here. We are so happy you were able to come on and talk with us. You know, I was interesting listening to the uh, your thanatology. I've never heard all of that. That's really cool. Um, <laughs> simply, I always just tell people it's a body of knowledge and dying death bereavement. But that all of that stuff you were putting in there it was like, wow, that's that's pretty amazing. <laughs> Did that make you feel good? You're like, that's what I am. Well, it's like, wow, <laughs> learn something new every day, don't you? There you go. <laughs> you know, this is the first time that we've ever heard of this word. I had to Google how to pronounce it. And I thought we can't be the only ones that don't know. I just found that really fascinating. Nope. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Let's start by talking about the year 2020 and the global pandemic um, definitely is a was a unique experience for everyone. What did you find most challenging and different in your position at Forest Lawn with the pandemic? Well, one of the, the biggest things that happened along with everything else was a complete shutdown. As you mentioned, you said I'm a former pastor and I spent 15 years doing that. I do counseling with folks and do a lot of presentations and everything. And all of that was just immediately like, you know, somebody turning off the lights and saying, go home. And then suddenly you have to shift immediately into providing the same kind of resources, the same kind of connectivity, the same kind of personal warmth, if you will to people in two dimensions as opposed to three. And that is really, really challenging. You know, one of the biggest ways that we make our way through grief is by social support and having those people around us. You think about a funeral, you think about you know, afterwards or, or whatever, and it's all hanging around together and shedding tears together or hugging or all of those things. And all of that was immediately off the table. I mean, it was just like, to paraphrase Bill Cosby, you know, in one of his routines, you know, everybody out of the pool, um, let's go. <laughs> that's, uh, and that's really hard to just shift like that all of a yes. sudden. Um, Right. Do you think that the people who didn't get to be with their loved ones or be in person, like you're talking about and attend traditional services are going to have a different 
challenge ahead in their grief journey than people pre-pandemic? Absolutely. You know, there's a thing, and I do have an academic background, and I, I do try to kind of bring it in together, but I think it's important to help people know that there are names for things that people go through. If something's been named, and if it's um, and a as a friend of mine said, if it can be mentioned, it can be managed. And I think that that's really helpful. But one of the things that we in the in the field of thanatology and are concerned about is how people are set up for complicated grief or prolonged grief disorder. It's got several different names and it sounds really awful and terrible, but it basically just means that you're kind of getting stuck in your grief. And there's not a, you know, a, a kind of a normal natural progression. And that is something that I think is really going to be uh, a big issue for us going forward. And on a much longer term experience, because grief, as you know, continues to just grow if you're not having the chance to, to work with it. So yeah, it is very, it's really going to impact us in so many ways. And we haven't even begun to think about it yet. On, in a in a kind of a the social world that we're about thinkers are thinking about it people are talking about it a lot and trying to get sort of ready for that but uh, in the basic social world people are not even aware of how much it's going to be and you were able you just mentioned that you went to two-dimensional you're talking about last year having to switch to some virtual like we're doing on zoom right type of things right right can you expand a little on what you saw last year in your role what you do as the director of grief how maybe give us an example of how you thought that role was before the pandemic and then how sure. it was after sure some Somebody would call in they need some they need some assistance or or whatever i would be out in the parks we have a number of parks and i would be in the parks providing in-person grief resources and grief and grief seminars uh, we would do them two or three times a year At the end of the year we would do a memorial candlelight service that we call lights of remembrance and we've been doing those services for uh, about 15, 16 years now. And if you want to imagine what they look like, if you think about a Christmas Eve candlelight service, that's what they look like. But they're done earlier in the during the holiday season so that people have a space and a time and a place where they can say, I'm grieving. You know, I mean, the holidays, everybody walks around, it's like, hey, happy joy and, and stuff. And when you've lost somebody, it's not so much. It leaves a huge gigantic hole and a lot of people just want to pull the covers up over their head close the blinds and stay in until january 2nd you know when i can come back out and that stuff right. is all going away exactly and it doesn't you know it just doesn't work that way so we would provide these these experiences where people could come to the park in person and some of them would be a thousand people gathered in one place wow. lighting candles well grief makes you feel very, very lonely. You feel very, very isolated. You are the only one that is going through your experience. Mm -hmm. It's why one of the worst things you can ever say to somebody is, oh, I understand what you're going through. No, you don't. Yes. Nobody right. does. And that's a right. whole other discussion. Right. But that's part of what is so powerful about a funeral as well, because you are sitting in a, in, you know, in the front pew or up in the, in the seated in a place where people are around you, a graveside or, or something like that. And you feel the people around you. And mm -hmm. that breaks through that sense of loneliness and alienation yeah. really powerfully. 
and you're sitting at a, um, a service and there are a thousand people. It breaks through that sense of loneliness and alienation and I'm by myself. And look, I'm not alone. Others get it. Others understand it. Well, that's a real healing thing because now you can kind of go, ooh, and breathe a little bit, you know. Right. And when you take all of that and you take the human connections out of it that are so powerful in person, this is not a bad thing. You know, it's nice to see you guys It's yeah. it's uh, and, and everything. But there is something categorically different mm -hmm. about having somebody in a room with you. Right. Exactly. You know, or being uh, surrounded by someone. Well, you have to take all that away. Mm -hmm. Now the alienation, the loneliness, um, just it, it just doesn't have a chance to be confronted by someone else right. and say, you are not alone. So did not in the same way we're used to, not in the mm -hmm. same way we're used to. So did were you instrumental in helping switch over to adding that 2D element or tell us what that was like getting to? I don't know that I would say I'm, I'm instrumental. Um, <laughs> it got forced on me like everybody else, you <laughs> yeah. know, and and I'm admit I'm old school emphasis mm -hmm. on the old <laughs> with wanting people to be around and, and needing that. Yeah. And it was it was a hard transition for me. It was a very hard transition for me to look into a camera, which is where the people then see your eyes mm -hmm. instead of looking down, which I've been doing here too as well. Mm -hmm. It's it's a it's a real hard shift because I'm used to really looking that way. But I'm you know I'm getting better at it and working at it, and and people are getting more used to it. Mm -hmm. uh, younger folks obviously are much more comfortable with that. There's a lot of generational experiences with this. Whether you're a digital native or a digital immigrant like I am and everything, those, again, are different experiences. Thus, that is that just plays up the reality of, of how different everybody's grief experience is. Exactly. Because of who they are and what, what they're used to and how they're used to engaging with their grief experiences. So mm -hmm. I've had to go at work now and, and, you know, we are doing things online through uh, Facebook and Instagram and some other things like that. And, you know, having to put stuff up there for people to read or to connect with or to, to view later or whatever. And, you know, part of what's really cool about that is that people can get that any time of day or night. So, you know, like anything, there's there's goods and bads. And, and that's, you know, to even judge it that way is something I'm trying to get away from and everything. But there are there are helpful things and some other things that we've had to loss and then grieve in that as well. Because I can be up in the middle of the night having a really difficult time and I can click on and, you know, listen to, you know, surviving death and dying, right? you, um, <laughs> you know, and it's there for me yeah. and I don't have to wait until nine o'clock the next morning. And let me see if I can hopefully get, you know, hold of Trisha or, <laughs> or something like that because right. she's there. What a powerful, what a powerful thing. And it's really, really helpful. It is. And now that the world is kind of opening up, but it's kind of shutting down right now. Do you think that the virtual component of this will be permanent? Yes. Very short, sweet answer. Yes. You know, that's something where I'm, I'm working now and planning for those uh, candlelight services in the fall, which by the way, last year, all of them were canceled okay. and because we couldn't hold them and we had to do one uh, virtually, uh, very well received and things. This next year, we will be doing 
uh, the services, and then we're going to present something virtual as well. Uh, because they're going to need to be there. It's just going to have to to be that way. And, you know, so we're going to take the positives out of that. We're going to take the, the helpful elements out of that that make this available for people and continue to bring that forward. Right. That's a great thing because that will help people that can't even travel to get to be to have their closure at that time. Right. I think that's a great thing that you guys are keeping. That'd be great. Yeah. One of, you know, one of the other positive things with with like telehealth or all of these groups being you know bereavement groups and things being on zoom is that there are some fantastic places uh here in southern california some wonderful wonderful organizations that really support people really really well but unless you're on you know the west side or you know some other place where they where they may be there's some um you know, in out in uh, the San Gabriel Valley, and there's some here in the San Fernando Valley where where I'm at, you know, you couldn't really access it because you don't necessarily, right. LA traffic, who wants to drive yeah. for three hours yeah. to, to get to something? But when they went to Zoom, you could be anywhere now. True, exactly. You can yeah. be anywhere now and reach out and get involved in that group mm-hmm. and get really powerful and wonderful support in that way, uh, albeit it lacks the human touch. But in the situation, you step forward into the best thing that you can provide and, and all. So there's been some there's been some really good growth things and growth elements out of this. Yeah, I think that was actually a, a positive that came out of last year. I've been part of a Zoom support group for caregivers with loved ones that have dementia. And none of us want to go back to in-person meetings right now. <laughs> it's too easy and convenient to hop on Zoom. So yep. that is neat. Like Trisha was saying, if people can't travel, they can still attend something. Or like you said, being able to access whenever you want, mm-hmm. it's that on-demand kind of content, which is cool. Yeah. And then you also, in your role, I believe you provide strategies for people. And you've almost kind of touched on that a little bit by saying, putting your grief into words. But I listened to some of your webinars and YouTube channels, which we'll plug to before we end today. What are some of the strategies you like people to think about and use to help them through their loss? Sure. Well, the first place I would begin with that is to, and I I always talk about this in my seminars uh, when I go into it, is to understand what kind of griever you are. You know, most of what we understand as, you know, bereavement support or whatever is the bereavement group. You know, it's the model where you sit around the circle, you talk, you, you share your feelings and stuff, and you get the support by, by back and forth. And that's, that's wonderful. And many, many people get support that way. A lot of people don't. You know, there are different styles of grieving, a couple of different styles of grieving. And um, again, that would be a whole nother, yeah. <laughs> whole nother one we could talk about. Right. But, but so understanding whether you are more language-based and talking-based kind of person, mm-hmm. which we call uh, intuitive, if you're mm-hmm. a more intuitive person that way that, that is talking about things is helpful, then there's one set of things that you want to do. Whereas if you're more of an instrumental person, and that is when you see your, you know, you sort of experience it as things you have to do, things you need to do projects or whatever to work on that uh, activities, then that's a whole different one. And most of us, you know, we have been able to find in research and everything. Most of us, we have elements of both, 
but we primarily are one or the other. And so you need to just pay attention to what makes you feel like you're, and I go back to that space because that's how most of us understand and feel like, Oh wow, I feel better. It's like, and I always represent this and say, you know how you feel when you have a good cry and you get finished with it and you, yeah. you, know, you look terrible, <laughs> yeah, but, I feel better. Um, <laughs> but you kind of go, yeah. wow. You know, yeah. that's what you're looking for in grief. It's the space that opens back up again for you. And so whatever you do, that is opening that space for you is what you want to focus on. So if you're an intuitive griever, find a bereavement group. That's a great modality for doing that. Again, online or, or you know, uh, when we do get back in person or everything. Right. Outside of that, journaling does the same thing. Mm -hmm you know, to write and to journal. Mm -hmm. And there's some wonderful resources out there, everything from just an absolute blank book, which can freak people out, <laughs> to some other resources I know that have like a prompt at the top. You know, I remember one of the best memories I have about you is, you know, or something I don't particularly miss about you is, <laughs> you know, and stuff, because we all got that stuff, right, right you yeah. know? So, you know, they provide a prompt that then you write about. And, and as you write that stuff, it really accomplishes the same thing. It releases that and you're not keeping it bottled up. I oftentimes will encourage people to just write a letter to your loved one, oh. you know, particularly around the holiday season. Yeah. And again, most of the things that I know are things that bereaved people have shared with me were really active and helpful for them in moving through their grief. So, you know, write your loved one a letter at their mm -hmm. birthday or the holiday season, whatever it is, or your anniversary or, mm -hmm. you know, the second Tuesday in August that, uh, you know, you always do something special on that day, whatever it may be, you know, some way to, to bring that out, talking with people, you know, so anything that's kind of language based mm -hmm. and motion based and everything, if you're intuitive is really helpful. There is a wide variety of stuff in the instrumental realm, you know, that I really encourage people to do. Mm -hmm. Some people get it from walking. Some people get it from working out, going to the gym. Some folks, mm -hmm. it's um, raising money for a cause. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Misty, you're uh, involved with, uh, you know, the Alzheimer's mm -hmm. uh, and dementia yeah. and things. That is something, you know, to be able to put energy towards helping and and raising money and serving and finding a, a cause and a cure and all of that kind of stuff really empowers you. Mm -hmm. And that is the really it's the that's the whole thing behind grief that we really want to do is to help people be empowered yeah. to do what they need to do to experience it and to recognize it and to participate with it mm -hmm. and to not be overwhelmed with it. So the things that you can find that make you have a sense of space mm -hmm. of, I feel better. I heard a story about a woman that painted her apartment. Oh, okay. You know, I mean, so I can't tell you what it, right. somebody else planted, planted rose bushes. Right. I mean, it's just, it's a wide variety of things that I am doing something that connects me in some way to my, to my person. Right. And that's how we work on it. That's as unique as each individual person's loss. Absolutely. Which is unique as every individual is they're going through it. That loss is just absolutely unique. It's as, it's as unique as a thumbprint. 
nobody ever has the same thing twice. Right. right. And I heard you say in your strategies on the webinar I watched about connecting, you know, validating your loss, naming it when you acknowledge it to connect your mind and your heart. Yep. I thought that was fascinating. Yeah. You know, the biggest thing, and I was talking with a woman today and she kept saying, I should be better. I should be better. I should be, you know, I didn't think it would be this and, and all. And when you hear that, I didn't think, you know, we Westerners in particular are really head oriented <laughs> and, you know, and to our detriment, I think in a large way, but uh, again, that's another one, you know, but we, we are so rational in our approach to things and grief is a rational and if you will, irrational <laughs> or heart and, or I mean, mind and thought process. It is that, mm -hmm. but it's primarily out of your heart. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember who said it. It's one of the ancient mystics talk about the longest journey is the 18 inches from your head to your heart, which, wow. and what we're trying to do in grief again, as we do that, that work is just to naturally bring those back together again mm -hmm. and bring that head and the heart back into a, a unit of wholeness in some way that um, has been ripped and torn apart. Yes. It really has. So, you know, I really want to encourage people, you know, we spend a lot of time shooting all over ourselves, as people say, I, you may have heard that before and, and stuff, you know, I should, I could, it's the regrets, which are a huge part of many, many people's loss. But if we can validate and recognize and see a how difficult grief is, how, how totally involving it is, on a whole person level, and then allow ourselves to be okay with what we have, that the loss is huge. Again, I, a woman had been married to her husband for 55 years and she was eight weeks into it. And she's like, well, why am I not done? Right. And I'm like, what's the matter? Is your relationship? <laughs> I didn't put it this way, but it's your relationship. You know, yeah. was it only worth eight weeks worth of time? How do you put aside 55 years? Right. A, you never do. Right. No. You know, you, you, you're never done being a griever nope. because you always want that person around. There are always things that you want to share with them. Always, you know, my dad's been dead since 2007 and my mom since 2013. And there's been some things this last year, boy, I really would love to have sat down with them, <laughs> right. you know, and you never get out of that. You always want that person around. And that's the heart talking. That's the heart talking. Exactly. It's never done. Love is never finished. Right. Yeah. God is love. So that helps people too. I know when I lost my mom, one of my friends pointed me to the Bible and he showed mm -hmm. me one of the scriptures that helped me start through my grieving period. Do you have a favorite scripture that you share with people to help them through the time of grief? Well, from in my position at Forest Lawn, we serve everybody. I don't really have time to get into that. I And I will let them bring that to me. Uh, there's a whole lot of other things that they can do. And spirituality, believe me, is a, a huge part of that. That's, you know, my doctorate, it was, was written on basically spirituality and thanatology mm -hmm. and the interface between that. So I know how huge it is. And basically it is, you know, that uh, that's a part of what all last year was, was it, it completely ripped apart our, what's called our assumptive world mm -hmm. and the spiritual nature of our world and how we understand that. So 
to back up again, you know, Tricia, mm -hmm. I won't necessarily share that unless somebody brings that up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And my role is to invite that from them. Mm. Well, Trish, what is your favorite scripture? Or what was that scripture? Let me ask you. Um, no, I'm serious. Yeah. What was, what, I, no, I'm serious. To be honest, what, what was it? It was it's so long ago. It was in 2012. Okay. So I don't remember the scripture and I'm okay. just now learning the Bible because I just, okay. so okay. I don't know all, all of the scriptures and what he said to me. But there's such, and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to put you on the spot, <laughs> but there's, a, there's this huge, I mean, you know, everything, it's so personal. Mm -hmm. I mean, my favorite scripture is the basis of my theology. And that is the one you quoted, you know, first John four, seven, God is love. Mm -hmm. Everything beyond everything grows out of that. Mm -hmm. I personally would find different, different things that would be helpful in those, in those times and not necessarily a favorite one, mm -hmm. but I would be reading along or something like that. And something would jump out, leap out and speak to me. Mm -hmm. And that would be, to me, that's the Holy spirit working with me and my loss and the text. And, you know, there's a whole, you know, milieu of things that are going on there that says, Hey, pay attention right here. And that would bring me comfort in, in a moment. And, you know, so I will invite that out of people because it can be anything. It, it may be the 23rd Psalm, you know, which is so powerful mm -hmm. and talks about the presence of God with us. Maybe, you know, it is Emmanuel, you know, in, in John, that is God with us and God is in this. Mm -hmm. God weeps with us. Jesus stood at the tomb of his, of his very good friend and Jesus wept. And I will ask pastors this. I find this fascinating. I'll ask pastors this when I'm doing training for them. Do you know what the very next script, what the very next scripture is, what the very next words are after that? That's the shortest verse in the Bible. Everybody knows it. And they go, oh yes, Jesus wept. But no, people seldom know what the next one is. And that is that the crowd around says, look how much he loved him. Wow. Yeah. That's why Jesus is weeping because of his love of Lazarus and his loss that he's experiencing. We miss all that. We love all the, the, the grand stuff that John does with, you know, the Christ and all of that stuff. But that is one of the most powerful human moments that scripture shows for us for with Jesus. Look how much he loved him. He, he wept so much that others could recognize that. Wow. That was a deep love that he had. Yeah. And it speaks to that love in other places as well. So I will invite that out of folks. And, and because my role is not to give to them answers and boy, believe me, I get asked. I had one, I had one guy in a grief sem seminar one time that literally started stomping his feet and hitting his hands on his legs. Why did God take my wife? You tell me. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it just, it, yeah, that was the, he, he could not get past anything else right. because God is in control. God is doing things. God's the one that does all this stuff. And Wait a minute. Right. Why did she take it? Right. His assumptive world, based in his faith, had totally blown apart. And he did, he was completely lost. And he needed some answers. Right. 
Right. So sorry, I'm, I've started. Rolling. No, that's good. Yeah. Trisha did want to hear what some of your favorites were, and we did get some of those out of you. Yes. We also understand that in your role, and it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You're all inclusive to all types of beliefs and people. Yep. yep. And that's very respectable. And it's good for everyone to hear you are encouraging what makes sense to them for them to bring that forward. Yeah, I encourage people. Uh, I, and one of the things, I guess, one of the, if I do go there and I am invited in the sense when people will talk about their faith or they read scripture or things like that, I will oftentimes point people to the Psalms and the Psalms of Lament. There are about a third of the Psalms in the Bible are laments. And a lament is when someone you know, is screaming and yelling. And I mean, like that man, why did you take, you know, my wife from me? And we don't get the answers. Job didn't get the answers either that he, that he wanted. And Job is a very confusing book because we read it and it's like, wait a minute, I don't, I'm not getting my answer here, you know? And the answer is I am, and I am here and I am with you, you know, and a lament does the work that lament does is very powerful because it brings you face to face, fist to face, and so in a lot of ways with God, saying, "What are you doing here? I don't like this. I am powerless. I am. I am lost. I am empty. I am afraid, and only you can do something about it. And you have left me out here, and I'm feeling very alone. However, I will trust you, and I will trust you to do something for me. And and it takes it takes all of the of the pain and it puts it right into God's face Mm -hmm. and say, you're the only one that can do this here. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to wait on you. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, but I am going to wait on you. Right. And it's, they're really beautiful and powerful. Yeah. They are wonderful. And they give people, I will push people to that because it gives them language to speak what is, you know, come what is really inside and that they may not be able to to find it sometime yeah i love the psalms i always when i'm going through something or grieving i will open my bible to psalms all the time yep and i love it i understand why you pull from psalms a lot yeah well and and how human they are because like i said a third of those things are are laments and the laments are very very human yeah. You know, they are just raw. Yeah. And something else that Trish and I believe help people with their grief, and it doesn't eliminate it by any means, but is that hope and belief that life does go on in some way. Sure. Right. And I'm, I'm curious to know what your thoughts are about that in afterlife. Well, personally, I'm a Christian mm-hmm. and uh, I believe that there is some. I am, I would love to know what that looks like, love to know what that's going to be. And when I turn to scripture, I don't get the answers I'm looking for. (laughs) (laughs) It's not just all spelled out. It's not, you know, and I think that uh, personally, I would say that, uh, and and believe me, I got no inside information on this. There are people that do, you know, the near death experiences Mm -hmm. and some other kinds of things like that and, and all, but I just believe that it's going to be, so much better than anything we can imagine. You know, I mean, I hear about people that that talk about seeing their loved ones, you know, in near-death experiences. Mm -hmm. I will tell you, as my mom died from dementia, and she Mm -hmm. had that for the last several years of her life, and it was very, very interesting to watch. Most 
all of my grandparents died before I even knew them. Both my mom's parents, my my grandmother died when I was three, and I have I have absolutely no memory of her whatsoever. I've seen some pictures and go, yep, there she is. But you know, she could be anybody else in the 1960s and and stuff. But my mom would talk about visiting her parents. She would go up and visit her parents. And at first, when they were, when she would go visit them, they were about 60 to 100 miles away where, you know, she would talk about them being. She would name the town or up the place or wherever it was. And, and in conversation, we were able to figure that out. And my mom, I moved her out here and was really kind of her caregiver. And she didn't live with us. I was her caregiver for, uh, in a lot of ways with that. And I watched my grandparents or listened to them. I didn't see them, but listened to my grandparents come closer and closer and closer, the closer my mother got to death. Wow. And about two weeks before my mom died, which is really one of the last times that I had kind of a cogent conversation with her, grandma was right down the hall. And grandpa was over in the men's, in the men's wing. She lived in a care unit, but she was in college with her <laughs> realm of things. And the men, you know, that was, that was a long time okay. ago. So the men were living in their yeah. dorms and the women were living in their, their dorms. And grandma was, she, oh, yeah, we know, I went over to grandma's room today, went over to mom's room today and everything. And so, oh, that's pretty cool. What, what'd you talk about? Oh, just stuff. She'd never tell me. Wow. Never tell me. But I watched them get closer and closer and closer over three years. And it would not surprise me if I were able to have a conversation with my mom to find out whether they were there on the day that she died wow. or the day before. She was uh, pretty much uh, not cognizant and, and things. Yeah. But I can imagine they were in the room with her. Yeah. Right. I mean, I'd love to know for sure, right. because that's my head, you know, that's my head and I want to know and right. be in command of these things. But, you know, faith is just like you put it out there and I, it's going to be better than anything we can imagine. And what is it? What? I almost stop there. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you have to decide whether that was real or not, or whether she saw them or not. I think like you were saying before, if that brings you comfort and for anyone, yes, if that makes yes, you feel good that they were there, it doesn't do any harm to just believe that nope. was them. Exactly. Nope. nope. Doesn't at all. Doesn't at all. You know, our dog recently died about a month ago. And since that time, I've been watching monarch butterflies one at a time fly around my backyard. There you go. Now, is, is that Sam? I don't know, you know, and stuff like that. But that's me giving meaning to what I'm seeing. And if I give the meaning to what I'm seeing and what I'm experiencing, now what I'm doing is rebuilding my assumptive world, my faith, whatever it is you want to call it, which is why I never want to tell somebody, go read this, go do this, and it will give you what you want. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And it's why people get so mad when somebody says, well, you just got to move on or, you know, or uh, do this or do that and, and, or, or just have faith or, or, or whatever and stuff. That is, they lived a good long life. They're not suffering anymore. What are some of the other just mindless kind of drivel, sorry, um, that we have been taught in society to say to someone else. And what we are doing is we are taking what makes sense to us and plastering it over the top of someone else and saying, here, 
this will make you feel better mm-hmm. because it makes me feel better, but it's not theirs. And until it's theirs, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, exactly. Cause it's not going to help. I do have the butterfly thing for my parents and they're each different colors. So I understand that whole butterfly. Oh, cool. thing. Yeah. I love that for your dog. You did that as a butterfly. Do you have any other personal experience with the grief and have you ever had the presence or had a dream about someone that you lost that brought you peace as well? Yeah. Dreams, dreams are funny. I will have people when I'm talking about that because that's part of the cognitive way that we experience our, our grief. And uh, at least that's where, you know, that's where we thanatologists will put it. Um, <laughs> and, 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 I'll, and I've had, I've had families get upset with one another because, well, how comes mom's coming to you in dreams and not me? I want, you know, it's like, wait, 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 <laughs> time out, you know, and stuff. But yeah, people get really personal <laughs> with it and stuff. And why wouldn't mom come to me in a dream and stuff? So dreams are always really kind of, kind of funny. And I, and I think it's interesting be, and, and I, I will say, I think there's a difference between dreams and, and, and what I call visitations. And for me personally, and, and I see you nodding. And so you understand what <laughs> yep. that is. A yep. visitation, you know, you may be asleep, but the vividness of it, mm-hmm. real different yep. than a dream, yep. real different. And it tends to carry to a conclusion mm-hmm. of some kind, you know, a dream, something will happen and you'll come out of it or whatever. And, and all, but I've had, I've had a couple of those and, and one, I will, one, I will share was the father of a former girlfriend that she and I did not break up in the the best of ways. It happens, you know, um, and I'm better for it. And I hope she is too. But he came to me one night and when I was asleep and basically told me it's not your fault and I don't blame you. Wow. And that was really kind of like, yeah. wow, yeah. you know, I mean, as I'm kind of looking, looking in front of me here, I, I can see him, you know, standing there, right. uh, what he was wearing, what he looked like, yeah. you know, and, and when that happened, I had, I had seen him once in maybe 15 years. Wow. Wow. That's an odd moment. That yeah. was a visitation. He really did. He really did. Yeah. You know, I hadn't been thinking about him or anything or anything like that. I had heard that he died and it was like, well, I was, you know, I'm sorry about that. I always liked him and, and stuff and, and all. And, you know, so now somebody else may look at it and say, well, that's just your mind working on it. Okay. That's fine. fine. You want to, you want that? That's fine. But for me, it was, it was a very, it was really a very comforting thing because I guess somewhere within inside me, a connect, I would say a connected part of my grief with his death was that there was something that I wasn't feeling good about way down deep that I had no cognitive awareness of, but somehow something needed to be, to be worked on something needed to be addressed with that. And, and, and he, he came to me to do that. That's great to hear. Very cool. I love that. Well, uh, we did take a peek around the Forest Lawn website and your webinars Good. and you have your Facebook page. And I want to make sure that we take a second before we wrap up to talk about what resources you do have and what sure. webinars and, and support type things you have out there. Great. Thank you. Well, one of the things I want to make clear is that, and this is kind of unique about Forest Lawn, and it's part of what uh, is really uh, meaningful for me and in working there is that my role and my position at Forest Lawn is for the community. So 
whether you went to Forest Lawn for Mortuary Cemetery or anything, it doesn't matter. I'm available to you. That's great. It's amazing. You know, you can call in. We have things on our website that right now that are posted there, some brochures, some easy brochures that are easy to digest when you're grieving uh, that you can read. You can see when the uh, different events are, the uh, hopefully back in person in, in October, the making it through the holiday seminar that I'll be doing then uh, you'll be able to see when the virtual ones are, are there as well, as well as our Lights of Remembrance services. These are open and available to the community. So, um, you know, avail yourself of them. We have this new one that we've put together called Journeys Through Grief, which is, is building and growing. And um, we're posting three times a week on that and trying to just put up information and some videos that people, you know, can get some helpful stuff out of. Again, small snippets, which is about all you can digest, particularly when you're in in grief and especially in the early time of it. You're just there it is an overwhelming experience. Yeah. So we want to provide things for you that you can digest easily, take a hold of and work with for a while. That's mm -hmm. one of the things that I always encourage folks to do as well because they want it to be over immediately and, and stuff. And so I got to do all this stuff. And and grief makes you live life at about three miles an hour, yeah. uh, which we're not used to doing. Yeah. So, you know, we have a, a webpage, again, Journeys Through Grief, as well as, you know, our Forest Lawn Facebook page, which has some things there. There's a lot of stuff that's archived there. I've been doing, I did a lot of short videos, one and two minute kind of things and stuff last year, in particular about the pandemic and about anxiety, because that is such a huge part of this. The pandemic, again, just ripped aside our assumptive world, our belief in how things work. Right. And, and that just creates a sense of anxiety mm -hmm. within us. And so I did a lot of things on that at that time. And, and, all, and they're there and available and archived there for you at any time. So please make use of, um, of what's there and me as you need. And I noticed there's also some Spanish. So that's great that people that speak Spanish can also listen yeah. to that. That's great. That is not me. <laughs> My Spanish, you know, gets me a beer to stay. Steak and, yeah. and the bathroom. Um, you know, <laughs> oh, only Una? <laughs> to start. You know, but yeah, it's a start. Yeah. But uh yeah, I have a colleague who does that and he has a he has a page of his own, like Journeys Through Grief, that has been up for quite a while. Corazonas yeah. and Duello. And you can find that one from Force Lawn as well. Mateo does a lot of really good materials there. So and we're working to get our stuff translated into like Chinese as well, because we serve a lot mm -hmm. of the Chinese community. Sometimes I have a hard time in, in English and, and stuff and <laughs> gave up trying to learn other things, but we do have great people who know these languages and, and know the sensitivities. You know, grief has its own language and right. feel. Right. Um, again, which is why I send people to laments because it gets that language and gets that feeling. Right. Yeah. Wow. This has really been great. Any yeah. other questions, Trisha? I think he covered it all. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, you're welcome. Because this is a great subject for everybody here. How you help people during their time of need. Thank you. Thank you. I, it's been a it's been a blast. I uh, really appreciate this this opportunity. I'm you know kind of a grief evangelist, if you will. I guess, you know, kind of, I, I would say this, and this is one of the things I really kind of 
coalesced in my mind as I was working on my doctorate. And that is that I believe that grief is the God-given way for healing losses, mm. you know, and most of us turn and run the other direction, mm -hmm. but God is love yeah, yeah. and you do not have love without grief. Yeah, exactly. They are, they are the flip sides of, of the same coin. When you make a pact with somebody else and you fall in love with them, however that is in whatever the relationship is, somebody, somebody is going to have grief. Yeah. yeah, It's the way of healing. It's the way of moving forward. It's the way of reincorporating them in your life and, and moving forward in life with them, mm -hmm. not leaving them behind, but carrying them with you. They're always with you. Yep. Wow. Yep. Well, yep. thank you so much. And your words will always be with us. We really appreciate this. Yes. Thank, thank you. you. Well, thank you. That's one thing about digital. It stays out there forever. It's going to so. play over and over again. You're <laughs> not ever going to get rid of it. That, <laughs> yeah, never. That's awesome. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. So uh, thank you very much. It's been a joy to be here. Thank you. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you. So email us at trisha.misty.tm at gmail.com. You can also go to our website, survivingdeathanddying.com for links to the books we talk about. So please like, share, subscribe, and follow. Well, we did it again. We survived death and dying another episode because we believe life and love never dies.